This episode of Entertainment Landfill is dedicated with love to our longtime listener, Jennifer Morris. everyone it's friday and that doesn't mean it's time to get drunk it means it's time to hear some jackass and his buddy deliver meaningless news you have been warned Presents Landfill News with your hosts, the J. Strum and PCZ Stephen. Now, here are your hosts that I already mentioned Hip Hip Who Whatever. Okay, well, thanks for that introduction, uh, TRS 80. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of ETL News. I'm your host, the Jstrom, and with me is... Steven, the pop culture zealot, PCZ Steven. Hello, Steven. From now on, ETL News will be co-hosted with Steven, the pop culture zealot. Who needs to do this show solo? And we also have Baby whining at the door, wanting out to go bark at people. Yay! Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. Ken is in the chat room right now. He's listening, and he did mention TRS-80 has been very grumpy lately. I don't know what her problem is. Uh, I need to reboot her, maybe, something. Maybe. Clean out maybe the... she's got some malware happening. <laughs> malware! That's probably what it is. Some kind of grumpy <laughs> malware. Uh, Ken says, hello, Steven. Hello, Ken. We're here to deliver the entertainment we're news. Like, we're talking to somebody half a world away. I know, that's crazy. That is awesome. Right now, there is a guy... In friggin' Tokyo, listening to the show. That's that's where you are, right, Ken? And that's amazing. The internet is amazing. And he's sorry for mildly spoiling Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear a word, Ken. So you're fine. I he I, kept I, he kept ripping off his headset. So <laughs> Jason was looking. At me. I didn't know if it was making too much noise, but I was just like, no, no, no. I couldn't put my fingers. No, I was like, in my do ear. it. Yeah, you don't want spoilers. <laughs> I but yeah. no problem, kid. You didn't get me. I. Now, Stephen, I'm really excited that you're here because, you know, I've been doing the ETL News solo for a while now. Yes. And uh, on our anniversary show, I was like, I asked you and Bill, do you guys miss doing the show? Bill's answer was no. Yours was yes, though. <laughs> uh, you know, to put it, uh, you know. I mean, other than hang hanging out with you, my pal. Yes, I think we we're going to have to let a, that DM dog We out would go too. to a movie, but we wouldn't sit and talk. Yeah, we've still hung out. Steven and I go to movies and stuff like that. But um, 
Go ahead and shut it on her. I don't even care. I don't want to hear her. <laughs> I, I've been telling you, if you want to get into podcasting or live broadcasting, do not get a beagle. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a nightmare. So, Just uh, get a cat that will ignore you and do its own thing. <laughs> well, I basically, I've been doing the show every Wednesday during the uh, about 1 o'clock, pretty much uh, nonstop all summer long. And I was like, why couldn't I do the show on Friday with Steven? You know, I could, because it's kind of been a bummer. One thing that uh, the anniversary show made me nostalgic for was doing the show on Fridays. Why not do it Friday evenings? Because Cause I've got no life. <laughs> well, certainly there will be times when a movie comes out and we're like, eh, I don't know, man. Maybe we'll do it do tomorrow show. night. <laughs> yeah. But right or now, we'll, or we'll do the, or we'll do the quick react after the show with thirty minute kind of. Yeah, we could after, do that after I mean, a movie. Right now, the show. I mean, we could be watching Skull, Sully right now. <laughs> Sully, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my daughter, she's in school, so the fr- Fridays she wants to go to her grandma's or whatever. She's doing some kind of thing of, at school, so you know, I got nothing to do. Let's do the show just like always, but let's do it in the same format I have been doing of. ETL news where I read inane pop culture or entertainment news stories and you and I can react to them. Right. One thing I want to tease though, coming up next Friday was we're going to have a very special show. Uh, you and I will be hosting an event essentially, and I like to call it King of the Drops. Now what that is, it's, it's a new basic, basic contest. Might be recognized by official institutions, maybe Guinness, something like that. Uh, we have more audio drops than probably any show ever. You know, any radio show in existence, whatever. I'm going to go ahead and make that claim. No one can prove otherwise. <laughs> um, I want to know who in our fandom could identify the most drops. Not even just that. You know, certainly if I played one, you might be able to go, oh, I know what that's from. But... uh You've done it for me, and I haven't known some. For for instance, like who who is that saying that? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna play one, um, and just see if you get it. Okay, it's gonna be really easy. Okay, ready? Yep, I'm ready. Whee! Hey, I'm on the clouds, everyone. <laughs> Cotton candy for everyone. That's you- easy. It's Buddy Velastro. Right. Now, special bonus, can you tell me what's going on in that drop? Um. (laughs) It's harder, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to guess, was was he making the airplane, you know? He was making a, uh, I believe it was a balloon cake with balloons in the clouds. I was going for the airplane. And he was like, Remember when he did the the made the airplane hangar base cake? Right. So basically, if we would have, uh, if that would have been you competing, basically, if you would have been competing right now, you would have gotten a point. But the special bonus point of two, you wouldn't have gotten. So that's how I was thinking. Should the two contestants start with a hundred points, and as they go. Either you add a point or you subtract, and at the end, whoever has the most points wins, something like that. Zero. You start at zero. Let's start at zero. Okay. Don't want to overcomplicate it. Well, anyway, I was like, who can I get to be in this contest? The two contestants, right? Contestants. And I was thinking, 
who bigger who are bigger fans than Adam from the Bay Area and Ross from the Bay Area from the Bay Area <laughs> and I was asking Adam about it and he was just like well dude it's me we don't even need to compete I'll beat <laughs> Ross any day of the week and I was like okay well no no it would be fun to have a contest and he goes no 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 I'm going to send you a voicemail so he sent me a voicemail <laughs> And he's gotten really competitive here. <laughs> I think he already thinks he should be crowned king of the drops. Let's go ahead and check this out. You got to hear this, Steven. He's throwing some major shade. Oh. You know, let me tell you some. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, you know, let me tell you something, mean Gene. I mean, Jason. There's been a lot of, lot of stuff in the air lately about who's going to win the drops game. And I'd just like to say that anybody that has ever listened to Nowhere in Mulberry slash Entertainment Landfill that thinks that Ross stands the slightest chance against me is a complete and total idiot. Everybody knows I've listened to Old School probably seven to eight times. Everybody knows who started Twin I Am. It wasn't Ross. I had to, I had to call Ross every morning and wake him up early to do the twin I am's you think he would have done that without me I'm the one that has the passion I'm the one that has the knowledge I've been popping ginkgo biloba's all week to prepare for this so if anybody gets anything twisted then they're a dumb dumb head because I will be crowned king and then the gauntlet's thrown down the gauntlet is thrown down to anybody who thinks I don't care about Swiley more like Smiley, but he won't be smiling when I beat him in a drops game. Oh, I know. Oh, Smiley gives good feedback. Oh, we love Smiley because he gives good. Yeah, he posts pictures on the internet. He can't. He can't pull drops out of his ass like me. I can pull drops out of my ass all day. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is, I feel pretty confident that I'm going to win the drops game. Okay, <laughs> love everyone. Wow, should we even have the contest? He's already won. He's already won. That's crazy. I wonder what Ross will think about this. That's amazing. But uh Major shade. I'm really excited because I want uh to do this contest right. I really want to have it um how do you say uh competitive and harrowing, you know, like We've got to have a main round, then it builds, and then to like a bonus round, and maybe like sudden death or something. You do the uh, like uh, the rounds in in Jeopardy. You know, you get the easy round, the medium, the super hard. Well, I was thinking this. For instance, we have. I'm going to say we have thousands of Gordon Ramsay drops. But what about this? If I played a Gordon Ramsay drop. Let's just say I, uh... So, like, super hard would be, like, telling you what season... Okay, let me... What about this? This is absolutely ludicrous. Okay. Oh, wait! Holy shit, Ross is calling us! Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Uh... Hello? Jason. Steven. Oh my goodness. Next week at the Pontiac Silverdome, all of Mulberry will know who the real drop champion is. <laughs> will it be me? 
Or will it be the mewling infant, Adam from the Bay Area? He who has never seen Robocop. <laughs> he who has never seen Troll 2. The man who would not exist without me showing him nowhere in Mulberry. Oh, wow. <laughs> All of Mulberry will know next week at the Pontiac Silver Dome who will be the next drop champion. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. And that's it. He's gone. I'm going to say the gauntlet has just been thrown, hasn't it? Is it thrown it, down? It was thrown down, and Ross picked it up and uh, threw wow. it right back. Man. This is <laughs> I'm, this is, this is like uh, what the rumble in the jungle. I know. But we're we're going to have to do this right. we got to come up with a term for... I know. The... Um, the I, I don't know. <laughs> San Francisco's known for earthquakes. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> fantastical so what i was saying about uh <laughs> like say gordon ramsey let's say okay here's the bonus round i'm thinking of and i don't want maybe it, say adam and ross can try to prepare but say like this if i were to play you this it's like zombies for instance i go okay steven identify that drop do you know who's who's talking? No. It's Gordon Ramsay. Oh. So, say you got that right. Oh, that's easy. It's Gordon Ramsay. Steven, which Gordon Ramsay show was that? Oh. Hell's Kitchen, Hotel Hell, MasterChef, Kitchen Nightmares. Name one. Could you? I'd say Hotel Hell. You'd be wrong. Oh! I made save that. MasterChef. Nope, still no, wrong. Strike two. <laughs> but see how you could do that. And like, I've wa I watched all those shows. That too. may be the final round. Like, buddy, is that Cake Boss or is it Next Great Baker? Huh? Yeah, there you. Something go. like that. So I'm really excited. Where? Oh my God, these guys are ready to go to battle, aren't they? I can't wait to see who the drop champion is. And then what would be great, you know? Uh, some kind of belt or something, some kind of nim drop belt, maybe nim drop earbuds or something to listen to the show on. And then somebody challenges Adam or Ross. Sorry, Ross. They're both, they both have a chance. Somebody challenger comes along, wants to maybe Swiley because there is some shade thrown Swiley's way. He may want vengeance. He comes along, he wants a challenge for a drop champion, king, or whatever. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> the drop zone. I like that. Oh, that would... The drop zone. That may be the bonus round at the end. All right, Stephen, you ready to get into some news? Yes. I don't know if you know that this week, there was a huge Sony announcement. Uh, we've been hearing all summer long about uh, the PlayStation Neo... Uh, this, you know, Xbox has the Xbox Slim now, or the Sleeker, the whatever the hell it's yeah, the called. S, yeah. The The Xbox. S, uh, which plays 4K, uh, Blu-rays and stuff. 
So, uh, PlayStation, it was leaked that they have the PlayStation 4 Slim coming out, and that's no big deal. But they also announced the PlayStation 4 Pro, which had been codenamed Neo. And um, apparently it's for 4K television owners. You know, you could play your games in 4K. Uh, Xbox will have the Scorpio, which will be more powerful. But Sony announced this, and a lot of people were underwhelmed. It, uh, this is on Polygon. PlayStation 4 Pro will be 4K and HDR capable. Today, Sony unveiled its newest addition to its console lineup, the long-rumored PlayStation 4 Neo, which is being called the PlayStation 4 Pro. During the company's meeting in New York City, Sony confirmed that the upgraded model of its current generation console would support true 4K gaming and, an H- uh, and HDR. Uh, Sony also confirmed some of the specs for the PlayStation 4 Pro that had been rumored leading up to the event. It will have more than double the GPU power that the current model has, as reported back in April, and a boosted clock speed to the CPU. The Pro will also come with a one terabyte hard drive, internal hard drive. Oh, hard disk, internal hard drive. (laughs) One terabyte HDD internal hard drive. Sony described the Pro as a console that provides unparalleled experiences for the 4K TV owner and that it would be using its meeting today to explore just how different gaming can look and feel with a HDR and 4K-enabled system. They showed videos of different games like, here's Lara Croft Tomb Raider, now look at it in 4K. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm watching it on my monitor at home. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really see, it looks great, you know. Uh, One thing that's interesting about all this is the PlayStation 4 will go on sale on November 10th for $399. The regular PlayStation or the PlayStation Slim now, the the kind that we that I have right there, right. they're not going to sell anymore. It's PlayStation Slim for two ninety nine, which is great price. Right. Unless you have a four K TV, you don't even care about the Pro. Right. Seriously. I don't um, have a four K TV yet. W- one thing that they did mention is they they would actually make all PS fours with a firmware update HDR capable for your television. And I was like, okay, it's not for... Like, the PS4 is not 4K c- capable, but they're going to upgrade it so it can play HDR streaming, like you could stream off of um, Netflix. That part's confusing to me. But also, um, I heard that the PlayStation 4 Pro won't even play the new Blu-ray format, which is 4K Blu-ray. Or uh, Blu-ray, um, I forget what it's called. It you know basically it's 4K Blu-ray, ultra Blu-ray, ultra right. ultra Blu-rays. And what's weird is Sony is like the uh, main producer producer of Blu-rays. Like they own the license to it or whatever. Why wouldn't they make the PlayStation Pro play those? Also, the uh, the new Xbox, you know, the Xbox One S, yes, will already does play those and you can buy that now it will play 4k discs so it's like what are you doing sony and it almost felt like this system was kind of a oh we, we got to get something 4k out there do you see what microsoft's doing that's what it feels like to me right um obviously what it, were they thinking beforehand before you know what did they think was going to be so groundbreaking until they yeah. saw what 
a lot of people thought that these specs would be like, whoa, but instead it was kind of like, oh, okay. And it's they're like, good. they're great. Yeah. But and they, I mean, they showed some footage of stuff in 4K and people were like, yeah, but it still looks really good now in 1080p. Unless you have a 4K TV, you don't really give a shit, you know? I know I don't. Uh, and, you know, I read some things about different people wondering if they should bother or whatever. I think, you know, actually, whenever I need to get a new TV, you know, I have a plasma. Eventually, something's going to happen to it. Uh, maybe the screen goes out or something. I don't know. And I have to buy a new TV. It'll be a 4K TV because I don't think they'll sell the other kind anymore, right? right. So, obviously, I'll want to upgrade. I still think if you have a 4K television with a regular PS4, Xbox One, they'll look fantastic on it, is what I think. Uh, the fact that the PS4 will upgrade to HDR, that's neat. Whatever that does, we'll see. <laughs> but um, I certainly... One thing, I'm kind of annoyed at Sony right now, because my PlayStation 4 controller, I was trying to stream... Uh, uh, the No Man's Sky. And I was playing it for about 18 minutes. I was like, why is my controller so hot? It's like really warm. And while I was playing, all of a sudden it stopped working. And the screen said, controller's not plugged in. I was like, what the hell? Hey, stop. What are you doing? And I plugged it into the console, tried to keep playing, but it wouldn't hold a charge. It just, the light kept going out. I was like, no, no. And ever since then, it won't charge or anything. And I've looked at different, you know, YouTube videos. They say there's a little pinhole. Poke that and reset it. Tried that. Nothing's worked. So I'm pretty annoyed that I have to buy a new $50 controller. Because <laughs> that's money that could go towards a game. Am I right? Right. So what do you think, Steven? Are you going to get a 4K TV anytime soon? I'm kind of looking for looking at televisions right now. Oh, nice. Um. I've I've gone a few times, not nothing super serious, because mm-hmm. I'm gonna do some shuffling of TVs. I gotta take one up to the lake. So, oh, nice! So the big one in the living room will go to my bedroom. The one in my bedroom goes up to the lake. Oh, nice! Okay. And so I'm gonna I'm looking at upgrading to 60 plus inch. That nice. I think I have so, talked about it with Heather. Like, this and is... I haven't chatted with you about this yet because I know. Yeah. Somebody here likes to look at all that stuff. Window shop, yeah. <laughs> I do. I I like. There's a and I new. I went with you to get this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I looked at the new Vizios that are really nice. Believe it or not, and uh, I've I've been leaning towards that one. One thing that I like, Heather and I both agree on. This is a 64 inch. We want larger than that. Um, we're thinking like would be great 75 inch something like that yes it would seem huge but i'm telling you you get used to it so fast like whoa that's huge and then you're like "Eh, it's not that big anymore i swear it's like a week later it's like it's not that big i remember when uh well my wall is eight feet tall so it's not that big right (laughs) yeah well i remember when we got the you know i helped uh heather's dad get a tv and heather's mom's like 50 inches is as large as i'll go and i'm like okay and i look at jim and he's like no larger so we we got him a 58 inch and you know we're hooking it all up and she goes is that 50 inches it's like oh yeah yeah 
It's like, wow, that looks a lot bigger than I thought it was. It's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, you just give them a little simple. Well, they don't sell exactly 50. It's a 52. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, a it's, a, some, it's in the ballpark of 50. Because yeah, you know? they go down, down to, yeah, it's in the ballpark. But if you ask her now, she'll say, you know, it could be bigger. You just get used <laughs> to it or whatever. Right. So I got another exciting story here. This is interesting because I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan and Vince Gilligan fan who created Breaking Bad. Vince Gilligan and HBO to develop a limited series about the cult leader, Jim Jones. Yeah. Oh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on this one, Stephen. Yes. Infamous cult leader Jim Jones will be the subject of an HBO limited series from Breaking Bad creator Vince Gilligan. Don't you love how they tell you that same thing in the headline, and then when you read the story, it's they the tell first us, line. They tell you that again. This coming from TV line, per our sister site, Deadline... The two-time Emmy winner and Better Call Saul co-creator will write and executive produce Raven, which is based on the non-fiction book Raven, the untold story of Jim Jones and his people, penned by journalist Tim Reederman, who in the 1970s covered Reverend Jones in the People's Temple for the San Francisco Examiner. Raven has been described as a definitive history of the events that took place decades ago at Jonestown, the Northwestern... How do you say this word, Stephen? Guyana. Guyana. A republic in the northeast South America commune where Jones directed his followers in an orgy of suicide and murder. Do they really have to use the word orgy? The TV project, which also counts Breaking Bad executive producer-director Michelle McLaren and actress Octavia Spencer, who had optioned the source material years ago as its executive producers, will focus on Jones as well as his followers delving into the mystery of why more than 900 of them gave up, the, gave up their lives. Wow, this is going to be some dark shit. Yeah. But Vince Gilligan is so good at storytelling; it's going to be amazing. I remember. Do you remember that TV movie with Powers Booth? Yes. Like, was that in the seventies or the eight, early eighties? Early eighties. Yeah. I remember that being pretty effed up. Either late seventies, early eighties. Oh wow. Okay, Stephen. This are you an Alan Moore fan? Of course. For instance, uh, The Watchmen, V for mm -hmm. Vendetta, yes. uh, Killing Joke. Have you read all of those? I read or the Killing Joke. Kill the other ones. Okay, Watchmen writer Alan Moore announces retirement from comics. Oh, no. This coming from IGN, Stephen, Alan Moore revealed that he'll soon be bringing his comic book career to an end. The writer of seminal works like Watchmen, V for Vendetta, and Promethea made the announcement at a press conference in London while promoting his upcoming novel, Jerusalem. According to The Guardian, Moore said, I think I have done enough for comics. Or, I think I have done enough for comics. I've done all that I can. I think I can't do a British accent. It's like thick British. I, I think. I'll think that I, if I were to continue to work in comics. Now he doesn't sound like that. And Evan, no, he, he seems like he'd sound like an, a kind of a disheveled old yeah. uh, kind of a I homeless think, man. I think if I were to continue to work in comics. To work on a yeah. Inevitably, the ideas would suffer. Inevitably, you'd start to see me retread old ground. And I think both of you, and I probably, and I think, wait, retread old ground, and I think both of you and I probably deserve something better than that. Moore won't immediately retire from comics, but he revealed that he has about 200, 250 pages of comics left before wrapping up his final projects. 
Okay, those projects will include another H.P. Lovecraft-inspired comic for Avatar Press, the remainder of his work on the anthology series Cinema Purgatorio, and the final volume of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen at Top Shelf Productions. Uh, though Moore will be retiring from comics, it sounds like the writer will keep busy working in other media in the years to come. The things that interest me at the moment are the things that I don't know if I can do, like films, where I haven't got a clue what I'm doing or giant literary novels. Things I wasn't sure I'd ever even be, have the stamina to finish. So, whatever. Uh, so, Alan Moore's retiring, Stephen. But sad? he's going to continue being a uh, writer of sorts. Right. In so. some form of a writing movies, or maybe... Da, 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 uh, writes novels, but he right. also writes for comics too. Yeah. Uh, Alan Moore could do that. You know, he could definitely. I don't know if you saw this a couple weeks ago. Ben Affleck tweeted, Stephen. I don't know how uh, much you're on Twitter, but Ben Affleck tweeted Deathstroke. Like, it was like a demo of a Deathstroke guy walking around in a costume, yeah. kind of looking around, and people were like, oh my God, what is this? Well, they announced today DC confirms Joe Manganello, Mangiello, Joe. Manganiello, Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke in Ben Affleck's Batman movie. See, that's interesting because I wondered if it was just, oh, he's in the Justice League. But no, he's going to be in Batman. Just last week, Ben Affleck shared a new set video that revealed an interesting new addition to the DCEU. Deathstroke, the masked comic book villain who sort of kind of resembles Deadshot. That footage left us with a couple of big questions. Who is playing Deathstroke? And is he appearing in Justice League or the new solo Batman movie? DC's chief creative officer, Jeff Johns, has given us the answer to one of those questions. Not long after Affleck shared the footage of Deathstroke, fans began speculating about who might be hiding under the mask. The popular choice? Joe Manganiello star of the Magic Mike films and HBO's True Blood. Here's the footage again in case you missed it. Oh. But they still don't know that it's him, right? Or right. Or they finally announce it? Yeah, here's the footage, Stephen. Oh, look. Too bad people listening can't see this. Wow. It looks like they have that true motion going on on the screen, you know. Um, in an interview with the Wall Street Journal... Jeff Johns has confirmed that Mengianello is indeed the man behind the mask. Okay, so it is. Though he declined to reveal if Deathstroke has a role to play in Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is currently filming in London, Johns, who was recently put in charge of overseeing WB's DC film franchise, also confirmed that Deathstroke will go head-to-head with Batman in the upcoming solo film, which he co-wrote with Affleck. Nice paycheck there, huh? Yeah. In addition to reprising his role as the Dark Knight, Affleck will direct the solo project, which does not yet have a release date. Affleck will also appear next opposite Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, Jason Momoa's Aquaman, and Henry Cavill's Superman, Ezra Miller's The Flash, and Ray Fisher's Cyborg in Justice League. Poor Cyborg. I don't... eh. The guy was in Teen Titans. I just... Are you... You know, you're excited to see him? Okay, here's some exciting news, Stephen. The movie that nobody wanted. Alien Nation Midnight Special director Jeff Nichols to helm remake. Midnight Special, have you seen that? Huh. 
According to Deadline, Nichols, who directed this year's sci-fi drama Midnight Special, is also on board to write the film, which is being produced by Brian Cavanaugh-Jones and Sarah Green. The original Alienation was released back in 1988 and stars James Caan as a cop who is forced to team up with an alien detective played by Mandy Patinkin. After a spaceship crashes to Earth, claiming Iron Man... Oh, wait. Reports last year of a remake surfaced, claiming Iron Man... Wait, the way they sentence that... Uh, with an a- Okay. Okay. The original Alien Nation was released back in 1988 and stars James Caan as a cop who is forced to team up with an alien detective, Mandy Patinkin, after a spacecraft... A spaceship crashes to Earth. Period. Okay? New subject. Reports last year of remake surfaced, claiming Iron Man writers Art Markham and Matt Holloway were attached to pen the script. I've never even heard of those guys. Nichols' directorial credits also include Mud and Take Shelter, as well as Loving, a civil rights film about interracial marriage. Okay? So... So it sounds perfect to remake Alienation. <laughs> Alienation. I'll say this about Alienation, the film. Terrence Stamp played the bad guy or whatever. I enjoyed the concept of the film. I thought the movie, kind of like Iron Man or Ghostbusters or whatever, the third act was flat and the movie just kind of ends and it wasn't that exciting. Do you remember Terrence Stamp like hulks out and he looks ridiculous? He has like these puffed up muscles like rubber muscle. It just looked ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, vaguely. It's been so long since I've seen it. But later on, in the early days of the Fox Network, they did an Alienation TV show. Yes. That I liked, and I watched it every week. <laughs> did you watch that Yes, too? I did watch that one. Wasn't that a great show? It was fun. I really liked it. So I'm curious what they do with this. I always thought they looked like, uh, you know, what do they call it? Sugar snaps? Sugar pops? Their heads? It's like they got stretch marks on their heads. <laughs> yeah. I love that show, though, more than the movie. It's definitely better than the movie. All right, Steven. Here's a special thing. If you, or I don't know if you're like, Xbox better than PlayStation. Are you like that kind of like... No, I mean, not really. I mean, if somebody's got something better, then it's better. Yeah, if you, it's a different I, game. I don't, I'm not a... Uh, a team. I don't pick a team. Well, recently, the PlayStation Network, uh, I think it's like $50 for a year. They upped it to $60. And what you get out of that, uh, what's funny is I was like, I'm not paying for that. And But if you want to play with your friends online, you got to pay for it, right? Right. Um, Xbox Live, faster and more reliable than the PlayStation Network, says report. Microsoft's continue. Microsoft continues the ribbing of Sony. Microsoft has shared the results of a report from analytics firm IHS Market, which says its Xbox Live service is the fastest, most reliable gaming network. The full report tested speed and reliability across a variety of metrics, and Microsoft's service came out on top in a majority of categories. In terms of reliability, Xbox Live had a better score for login time to network login time to game servers, and uninterrupted play, while there is no noticeable difference when it comes to matchmaking. In terms of speed, Xbox Live is speedier at logging in to both the network and a game server, and has a faster time to upload. Once again, there's no noticeable difference between PSN and Xbox Live when it comes to the speed of matchmaking. Who times this up? And go! Okay, let me see. No, no, not yet. Okay, Yes! And woohoo, winner! So anyway, I just thought you'd want to know that. In your face, Sony, right, Steven? Come on, let's start hey, some uh, 
Start some throwing shade. Xbox throwing shade. <laughs> yeah. Sony. Steven, here's some excitement. DC's Black Lightning strikes Fox with a TV pilot commitment. The moment DC TV power player Greg Berlanti had in mind to develop Black Lightning as its own series, we knew that it moved fast. So it is that Fox. So it is. So it is. <laughs> so it is that Fox has nabbed the new NBC. Uh, <laughs> So it is that, that Fox has nabbed the new DC drama with a pilot production commitment for the future. Now guaranteed at Fox, executive producer Greg Berlanti has teamed with the game and being Mary Jane creator Mara Block Akil and her husband Salim Akil for the new Black Lightning series with the Akil's writing as well. Here's the synopsis. Jefferson Pierce has made his choice. He hung up the suit and his secret identity years ago, but with a daughter hell-bent on justice and a star student being recruited by a local gang, he'll be pulled back into the fight as he wanted, as the wanted vigilante and DC legend, Black Lightning. Wow. Black Lightning is notable as one of DC Comics' first major African-American superheroes and would follow Marvel's Luke Cage as one of the first to headline a live-action series. The comic book character also has two daughters, including Anissa Pierce, Thunder, and Jennifer Pierce, Lightning, both of whom have belonged to different superhero groups. Oh, cool. His daughter's Thunder and Lightning, and he's Black Lightning. It seems unlikely Fox's Black Lightning will to end up connected to the CW's Arrowverse. Then again, if they can meet Supergirl, anything can happen. But will Fox fare better with its new DC hero than Gotham? So... Greg Berlanti, he's got his uh, fingers in a lot of pies. Yep. Is that is that the same? Yep, that's the same. Um, which which Greg Berlanti show do you watch? Out of them, Flash. I watch Flash. Arrow. I did. I started the first season and I kind of trailed Lost. off. Legends of Tomorrow. I did watch Legends of Tomorrow. All of it. Yes. Supergirl. Yes. Okay, I still have like four episodes of Supergirl to finish the first season. And I'm going to finish it before it starts, because I like Supergirl. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, I think I have like six episodes left of yeah, season one. Yeah, I'm all done with it. I watched them all. Which of those shows do you like the best out of all of them? I, I'm probably The Flash. Yeah, me too. The Flash. That's the only one that I watch the night it comes on. <laughs> like, we're watching Flash tonight, you know? So I'd that's say great. Supergirl's a second. Yeah. Supergirl, yeah, that's a fun show. I like it. Okay, I don't I just kind of brought up this story here because Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have sold another show and you know, they do Preacher. Do you watch Preacher? Yes. Do you like it? Yes. Okay, they've sold another show. These guys are moguls now, you know. Yes. They're selling shows, they're selling, you know, animated movies. The Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg time travel video game sitcom is officially a go. He's a janitor by day, a gamer by night, and he's just been recruited to travel through time and save humanity. That's the pitch for Future Man, a brand new show coming to Hulu, produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, starring the Hunger Games, the Hunger Games's Josh Hutcherson. Hulu secured the rights to the show earlier this year, but they just gave the official 13-episode series order. It'll arrive on the service in 2017. 
The pilot was directed by Rogan and Goldberg from a script by Ariel Schaefer and Kyle Hunter. Future Man marks the first 30-minute comedy series from Rogan and Goldberg, who are working on The Boys and have Preacher already on the air. Eliza Coop, Derek Wilson, Ed Bigley Jr., and Glenn Headley co-star. I love the idea for this show, the writer says, mostly because I'm obsessed with The Last Starfighter, and I'm very excited that we'll get a full season. Still, I'm slightly disappointed that it's only 30 minutes an episode. Obviously, that suggests it's going to be more comedy-based than mythology-based, which is fine. I just happen to be more interested in the latter. Maybe Future Man will find a nice balance of science fiction mythology and humor, though. We'll find out on Hulu next year. Why did they throw in their little two cents there at the end? Is that interesting? Uh, should we let the dog in? Say nothing's been made, and yet he's throwing in his two cents as if it's already been made. Yeah. Well, it's only 30 minutes. Well, guess what? An hour-long primetime show is only mm-hmm. like 40 minutes long after commercial. So, I mean, Hulu's no is commercial-free, right? Yeah, well, you can get it commercial-free. I pay for the one with commercials. It's like um, eight ninety nine a month. Okay. Because I'm just like, you can sit through commercials. <laughs> or, I, what is it like? But is it a full 30 minutes plus commercials at that point? Or is it like a 30-minute sitcom on regular TV? It's like 22, 22 minutes. It's going to be 22 minutes. Okay. Probably. Then never mind. All right, this this is one of those stories that I don't care. It just annoys me when I see the headline. For instance, HBO has a new series coming on called Westworld. Right. It's produced by J.J. Abrams. It's got Anthony Hopkins. If you see the trailer for it, looks amazing production values. It's no doubt they spent millions of dollars on this show. But then this article comes out, and I'm just like, shut up. The creators of Westworld already know how the series will end. <sighs> That's the way I feel about that story, Stephen. <laughs> Wait, I, why do I always get the bomb wrong? I need to rehire Foggy, don't I? Yep. There we go. It's been a long time coming. Listen to this dog. She's panting. She's been out barking for an hour. It's been a long time coming, but audiences are finally a few weeks out from seeing the pilot of HBO's Westworld. Now, actor James Marsden said part of the reason we all had to wait so long for Westworld was because the writers wanted to make sure before they moved forward, they had the story completely figured out even through season five or more. It wasn't about getting the first ten episodes done. It was about mapping out what the next five or six years are going to be, Marsden said in an interview with Entertainment Weekly. We wanted everything in line so that when the very last episode airs, and we have our show finale five or seven years down the line, we knew how it was going to end the first season. That's the way Jonah, an executive producer... J.J. Abrams operate. They're making sure all the ducks are in the row, in a row. If you're wondering how an if you're wondering how an adaptation of a 73-minute movie from 1973 is going to be extended to a five-plus season TV series, the answer is most of the story will be original. <gasps> Excuse me, I don't, <laughs> that just had to come out. Jonah Nolan, who is producing this series alongside J.J. Abrams. Are you disappointed in me, Stephen? I'm wondering if this is how your reading goes on your book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
who's producing this series alongside J.J. Abrams, admitted because of that freedom, they are going to push things much. The story is so stupid. Just shut up. It's getting on my nerves. They know the ending of the story, Stephen. Seven seasons. Yeah, here's another ridiculous story. So the rest in the middle is just filler bullshit. <laughs> yeah, we we just <laughs> we have to get there eventually. Anne Hathaway says she's open to a Catwoman spinoff. Let's see, did they just take a throwaway comment and turn it into a news story? Let's read it. After years with no female superhero-led films, the tide is beginning to turn. With Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel on the way, now Anne Hathaway says she'd be interested in suiting up again for a Catwoman spinoff. That's amazing, Steven. Aren't you excited? What, you mean she wants to get paid? (laughs) During an interview with Variety, the actress was asked if she would be opposed to reprising her... They asked her? Opposed to reprising her Dark Knight Rises role. Of course not, she said. I love that character so much I had such a blast playing it. End of quote. Despite her interest... Hathaway isn't sure if such a project is possible, considering the Batman franchise has already moved on to a new iteration. Okay, yeah. For instance, they've moved on. Iteration. I know, that's what I said. It's now Ben Affleck, it's not Christian Bell, it's not Christopher Nolan, it's just a different realization. Wouldn't it be weird if they brought in a character from the Christian Bell? Nolan back to do a Catwoman. So she's saying... I don't know. I love the DC universe and it would be fun to take a trip back. So that's the end of the comment. That's the end of the story. Um, that's it. With the change of direction in the DC universe, Hathaway adds that she would help guide the next actress should she be replaced since she doesn't feel ownership over the role. I don't think you can. It sort of goes with the territory when you accept it and receive it from the last Catwoman. I was shown such generosity from Halle Berry and from Michelle Pfeiffer. Shut up. Oh, God. Whatever. Okay, this was funny. Speaking of DC, got a lot of DC roles. Oh, were you going to say something there, Stephen? Nope. Batman vs. Superman backlash made Amy Adams feel sorry for Zack Snyder. (laughs) It's no secret that Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice received mixed reactions from critics and fans alike upon its release earlier this year. Those critical of the film knocked it as a long, convoluted, mirthless slog. Many placed the blame for the movie's failings squarely on director Zack Snyder. The filmmaker received a hearty dose of derision, and now cast member Amy Adams, who reprised her role as Lois Lane, has spoken out about the movie's bad press. During an interview on Variety's Playback podcast, the actress discussed her thoughts on acting and working with the industry's biggest names. She then went into her opinion on the Batman vs. Superman controversy and the state of the DC Universe. She was optimistic that they would bounce back from the harsh critiques and said that the cast on the set of Justice League was really excited. The criticism, she felt, hit a soft spot. And when it came to it... They're not showing an interview, they're just... Taken pieces. And when it came to the attacks on Snyder, she expressed some heartfelt sympathy. I just felt for Zack. Zack's like the nicest person ever. And to see him kind of talked about like that was really hard for me. Because he was such a respectful director. End of story. End of non-story? Yes. 
Does that get a bomb, Steven? Yes. <laughs> yes. We doom you. Ridiculous. Now, I don't have an iPhone. I have a uh, Android phone. As do you, right, Steven? I've got both. Work gave me an iPhone. Oh, could you put an app, a game on it if you wanted to be allowed uh, to? Probably. Because Nintendo is going to develop a Mario Runner game for the iPhone. You know what a runner game is. It's constant running. You have to hit the screen for them to jump. Well, Mario's going to do this. It's perfect for Mario. Nintendo's Shigeru Miyamoto made his way onto Apple's iPhone 7 press briefing stage this morning to announce a new game that will debut exclusively on iOS devices. Super Mario Run is an auto-runner built using new Super Mario Brothers-style graphics and sound with some light competitive elements found in the game's Toad Rally mode. The primary control seems to be tapping the screen, which causes Mario to jump. <laughs> Longer taps result in taller jumps, Steven. Mario automatically runs through the level like an endless runner, but the game has its flagpoles that end the stages in its default mode. <laughs> kind of like the that runner game that you had. Uh, yeah, the, 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 pitfall. the Pitfall. There's Pitfall yeah. 1. That one was pretty addictive. And then there's the... Get some water, dog. Man, she doesn't usually paint like this. She really got fired up. Well, Steven, uh, before that, that was my next to last news story. I wanted to, uh, bring up this one. This on Comic Book Resources. And I posted this on the Facebook. <laughs> I saw it. Mel Gibson calls Batman v Superman a piece of shit. And I just thought that was funny because even in the picture, he kind of looks like. <sighs> Mel Gibson. I'm still mad. Mel- I'm directing another movie, and I'm still mad. <laughs> Mel Gibson isn't exactly known for his tact these days, and it doesn't seem like he's chilling out anytime soon. God. In a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly, the actor-director sounded off rather strongly on the superhero genre, particularly against this year's DC Films blockbuster, Batman v Superman. It's a piece of shit. I'm not interested in that stuff. Gibson told EW while discussing the modest budget of his upcoming film, Hacksaw Ridge, which has incredible buzz about it. The trailer looks amazing. Do you know what the difference is between a real superhero and comic book superheroes? Real superheroes didn't wear spandex, so I don't know. Spandex must cost a lot. Gibson referenced the cost when talking about the decision to film his movie entirely in Australia, where monetary conversions allowed him to do more with less. I look at them and scratch my head, he said, referring to superhero films. I'm really baffled by it. I think there's a lot of waste, but maybe if I did one of those things with green screens, I'd find out different, he said. It seems to me that you could do it for less. You're spending outrageous amounts of money, $180 million or more. I don't know how you'd make it back after the taxman gets you. After you give half to the exhibitors, what did they spend on Batman vs. Superman that they're admitting to? To be more precise, BVS actually cost around $250 million to make, but ended up grossing $872.7 million worldwide. So that large investment appears to have paid off. Then again, Gibson still holds the record for the highest grossing R-rated film of all time, with 2004's The Passion of the Christ. So maybe he knows what he's talking about. Audiences can choose which they prefer by picking up... (laughs) Shut up. Uh... 
So it's just stupid. I, if you were to ask, ask Clint Eastwood next, what do you think of these superhero films? <sighs> I don't get it. Would you be surprised if he got it at all? No. I mean, just, I mean, it's it's. Would you say it's a uh, age thing? Maybe it might be. I mean, I can't say that entirely because Stanley's in his nineties and he likes. Came up. Created them as well. Right. Like, for instance, like if I asked my dad, like, I loved Guardians of the Galaxy, and I said, "Dad, hey, did you see Guardians of the Galaxy?" Yeah. What'd you think? You know, like, it's great, right? And he's like, "That's oh, fine." You know, it's like, eh. it's just another movie, another superhero movie. It's just like, whoa. It's just like, what it was something that he loved that you were like, eh. yeah, you know? like, meh, kind of a thing. Now, Steven, I'm out of news stories, but let's do a little thing I called reading Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like for <laughs> me to read you some reviews? Please. For instance, Sully came out today. You know what Sully's about? Yes. Not the guy from Monsters, Inc., no. Here's what the movie's about. Tom Hanks. Powerhouse Tom Hanks! But a Pixar character nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) Stars in this thrilling portrait of a heroic airline pilot, Chelsley, Chesley, Sully Sullenberger. Reenacting his incredible, successful emergency landing of an Airbus. Hold on a second, Stephen. Emergency. Landing of an Airbus A320. <laughs> Shut up, Jason. A320. Full of passengers on the Hudson River. Directed by Clint Eastwood. How cool is that, Stephen? Clint Eastwood? Don't we have any Clint Eastwood drops? Come on. To me, you're nothing but dog shit, you understand? Okay. Probably could have picked a better one than that. Uh, So anyway, (laughs) the film came out. It's about the guy who landed the plane. Saved a lot of lives. Yes. Nobody nobody died. But uh, Dana Stevens of The Slate, Stephen, she didn't like it. Sully can feel like a dutiful, hagiographic, what? I need Ken to help me with this. The third of three divisions of the Hebrew scriptures, okay? Sully can feel like a dutiful, hagiographic slog, even though it's actually... Wait. So is she saying it's like reading the Bible or reading Hebrew scriptures? Okay. Sully can feel like a dutiful, hagiographic slog, even though its actual running time barely tops 90 minutes, and both Hanks and Eckhart give warm, understated, funny performances, and the only two rules... Roles developed enough to qualify as real characters. She really threw me off with that hagiographic yeah. thing. Is that a little much? Yeah. Let's see what Scott Marks of the San Diego Reader has to say. Hank Sullenberger is by far Eastwood's most untarnished standard bearer to date. You're not going outside, dog. Not even Nelson Mandela came off looking this good. Wow. Okay. Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor says... Hanks is very good at playing an everyman, and Eastwood is content to showcase Sullenberger in that way. This is interesting. Another woman reviewer gives it a bad review. Sully is fascinating as a study of Eastwood's persecution complex, his fear that not everyone in the world adequately worships an accomplished white man. Interesting, huh? Susan Wool... Wolos Susan Wolos 
Walaz. Walazinka. Walazinka. Susan Walazinka. That's what I'm going with. Of RogerEbert.com said, A porterhouse of a movie that touches your heart. Wow, quick and to the point. Hey, Rex Reed. Remember love, this guy? Love the Rex Reed. Of Maybe the, I don't, but... <laughs> Hanks does an admirable job of showing Sully's humiliating stress while his reputation was being challenged with the first-rate support of a cast that includes Laura Linney as his wife and Jamie Sheridan and Anna Gunn as his surly inquisitors. <sighs> All right. Let's uh, read one more bad review. Ann Lee Ellingson of L.A. Biz gives it a rotten splat. A mishmash of genres, a would-be disaster flick, a legal thriller, a heroic biopic, jarringly cut together with a thinness of threads linking them together. Wow, oh, not a good review. Is it, Stephen? Nope. Oh, there's a, it's mostly good. And the final rating was what? I don't think I even looked. 83% fresh! Awesome. I, I mean, it's it's probably nothing spectacular. It's a good movie, you know. I would assume it's probably a decent movie. Um, is there anything wrong with what he did? No, he saved people's lives. Okay. What is the doubt that maybe he was nuts and delusional and he just crashed from, it? From the- just the trailers I've seen, they're saying, you know, well, you could have re- turned the plane around and landed it on, uh, on right. the tarmac again. But, you know, you're going with the guy's... Gut who flies every day. It's like you're doubting somebody else's ability. It's like, do you fly? Do you know? <laughs> yeah. Let's see. When the bow breaks, what is that? Because it has 0% rotten. Zero fresh rating. Seven rotten. Oh, this is one of those films. Starring Romani Malco, Morris Chestnut, Regina Hall. Uh, Glenn Morshower is in this. Uh, John and Laura Taylor are a young professional couple who desperately want a baby. Oh, this is the, uh, Hand That Rocks a Cradle remake. Yes. After exhausting all other options, they finally hire Anna, the perfect woman to be their surrogate. But as she gets further along in her pregnancy, so too does her psychotic and dangerous fixation on the husband. The couple become caught up in Anna's deadly game and must fight to gain control of their future before it's too late. Yikes. Yeah, the only difference between this and the Hand Rocks Cradle was they already had the kid, right? And they needed a babysitter-type nanny thing. Mm, Rebecca Dormorny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Writer Jack Olson's glossy script goes light on logic, credibility, and mining some of the story's deeper ramifications as it works its way towards the inevitable, largely predictable final showdown. I give it a zero. Wow. Perhaps you were wondering if it were still possible to wring any suspense out of an unbalanced third-wheel plot. When the bow breaks about a surrogate pregnancy gone horribly wrong has a definitive answer. No. Neil Genslinger of the New York Times. Wow, there's not a single good review, so... (laughs) Its unrelenting flatness is a real shame, and now an autumn tradition. Okay. Dan Callahan of The Rap says, Very conservative film that ducks any issues that might be dramatically interesting in order to work up lame suspense sequences. Okay, I'm done. I don't even know what the hell. Hold on. 
what's interesting is on September 16th, Stephen, a remake of the Blair Witch Project comes out, or it's just called Blair Witch. Now, have you seen the Blair Witch Project? Yes. Okay, what did you think of it? Uh, you know, it was interesting for what it was at the time. It was, you know, found footage horror movie. Yeah. And it's, was it the, one of the first ones? Yeah. The first one? Yeah. And it, like, took off. Like, everybody went nuts for it. They it thought it was hit. all real for a bit. Yeah, it seemed realistic. I've never actually seen it myself. It just kind of passed me by. But I remember the buzz about it. Yeah. Um. So, they, they're doing a remake now. Is it a remake or, like, a sequel, I thought? Uh... I don't know. Let's see. A group of college students venture into the Black Hills Forest in Maryland to uncover the mystery surrounding the disappearance of James's sister, who many believe is connected to the legend of the Blair Witch. Was James's sister perhaps in the first movie? Maybe. That's what it is. It's a sequel. At first, the group is hopeful, especially when a pair of locals offer to act as guides through the dark and winding woods. Hey, that's so nice of those guys, isn't it? But as the endless night wears on... The group is visited by a menacing presence. Slowly, they begin to realize the legend is all too real. And more sinister than they could have imagined. <laughs> <laughs> Rated R for language, terror, and disturbing images. Yay! Ben Travers of IndieWire, Stephen, says, Compared to the ill-fated Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2, the first follow-up, which was rushed to market for financial reasons, this new iteration That's become- still iteration still comes across as downright inspiring. Heather Wixon of the Daily Dead. Whoa, what side is that? Adam Wingard crafted a relentlessly creepy affair that is perfect tribute to its revolutionary originator but also takes the story in some frightening new directions. Oh, I'm scared. All right, one more, Stephen. Jimmy O of Joe Blow's Movie Emporium. Blair Witch is chilling and intense. It is a truly terrifying cinematic experience. Oh, I'm not going to go see that. I'm scared. What about you? I kind of, I'll say, did I outgrow scary movies to an extent? Yeah, we used to watch. We used to rent scary movies all the time, didn't we? Yeah. I don't see any of them anymore. Like nothing. I don't go to the movies. Period. I did laugh that Ticks was on the other night. <laughs> Ticks, classic. Seth Green uh, in that? No, that was uh, Clint Howard and Al- was it Alfonso Rivero in that one. Yep. Yeah. Genius flick. For instance, you know, like Heather and I used to watch horror movies together. We, I remember we saw Scream in the theater. The movie that ended it all, where we never watched a horror movie anymore, The Ring. After The Ring, the ending of that movie scared her so much, she was done. She's done with horror movies. She doesn't want to be scared anymore. She doesn't want to watch anything. And uh, I was just like, okay. So we... I just got used to it. We don't go to horror movies anymore. Yeah, we don't I got the see. reason why I don't. It's just... It, I don't know that it just interests me anymore because I guess they, for a while they got into the horror gore, you know the yeah, what do they call that the terror porn. Yeah. Oh, like the torture porn. Torture type, porn. Like hostile. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Or saw that was kind of torture, uh, torture kind of hard type of stuff that you're yeah. talking about. Where yeah, I didn't get into those or even watch those. I've never seen any of the bad those. Bad thing is I 
bought Saw on DVD, never watched it. <laughs> did you see Saw? You saw when I was Saw? a kid. Yeah, oh. I did see Saw. Oh, I've never seen Saw. Have no, you seen I've never Saw? seen it. No. Okay, just checking. Who saw that coming? Yeah. Well, guys, that was our show. Stephen, how awesome is this news, huh? It's awesome. Did you learn anything? <laughs> that I don't trust entertainment reporting. <laughs> yeah, it's all stupid. <laughs> but uh, seriously, uh, Ken, thank you so much for listening live. That was awesome. We did a, we put in an hour of news, and I love having you here with me, Stephen, to bounce things off of. Tell uh, tell me, where, where were you this week? I was in Chicago for Chicago, the week. Chicago, and you ate at Portillo's, right? Did they do that this? I didn't do that this week. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was this week. Yeah, yeah you're right. I saw the picture. How many times did you eat there? Just once? Just once, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm me... trying to watch. I'm trying to. I need to slim down a little bit. So, okay. It was like a special cheat meal or something? That was my lunch. So, at night, I eat lighter. During the day, I can kind of eat about what I want, but I'm eating, trying to eat light at night. What did you order? I had the Italian beef. Italian beef. And I got fries. I didn't get the cheese dipping sauce. I forgot about it afterwards. I didn't have the guy's video guiding me uh, what to get. Uh, pork chop sandwiches. No, Did no pork chop a- sandwiches. Um, I didn't get the chocolate cake shake because again, uh, I'm trying to watch. And you're on break. That thing wouldn't put yeah, you yeah, to sleep. Yeah, yeah, I'd be out. Just for a the day. bunch of dairy in your stomach. You'd yeah. be like, Steven, man, you're on the job. What are you doing? <laughs> Chocolate cake shake. It probably wouldn't have been too bad on Tuesday when I went in because it was like that travel day. Right. Oh, Ken is saying he wants us to read one more story. (laughs) And he sent me the link. Creepy clowns roaming South Carolina. Are they viral marketing for Rob Zombie's new movie, 31? Sightings of costume characters haunt Greenville and Spartanburg counties in south carolina well that place is pretty creepy updates saban films okay update saban films who is distributing rob zombie's new movie 31 has released a statement the company and the film 31 are not associated in any way with the creepy clowns and costume characters found roaming in the south it's been over a week since the sightings of creepy clowns have been reported Oh, my God. According to Los Angeles Times, the Greenville County Sheriff's Office said that the several reports had been coming in about scary costume characters who have been appearing in the woods and luring young kids with money. What? Are you kidding me? This sounds like some scary shit. If you should die before you wake... Another router's report on Yahoo News stated that some residents have had clowns knocking on doors and standing in lawns, though investigators have failed to confirm a single sighting. Another motorist in Greenville said that he caught a glimpse of a figure standing on the side of the road wearing a clown mask and a clear rain poncho. As more sightings are called in, the router's article points to a theory that this could be part of a viral marketing campaign. Okay, this is before they updated it. Just spotted major freak behind Fleetwood Apartments, and it's a clown. (laughs) I'm going to say... Yeah, I did see where they they asked Stephen King about about this clown sighting somewhere, you know? Yeah. Okay, is this uh, fake? 
Is this story fake? Is it fake? Uh, no, it's not fake. You think it's real? Yeah. (laughs) Very sad. So, no, what they say is people are calling it in. They don't have footage or anything. Couldn't I call in, I saw a clown, and I'm lying? It's possible. You could also get in trouble. They should say, these calls, by the way, have come from pay phones, or they're untraceable, so then it wouldn't, it would just be bullshit. I don't know. Yeah. It could be mass-induced panic, though. Like, it's not really happening, but so many people are hearing it. You see somebody with something brightly colored on, and you glance it and think it's a clown. (laughs) Clown. Can't sleep. Clown will eat me. I need a less squeaky chair. Okay, that was an accident. (laughs) Where's Foggy? Creepy clown. Yes. I need to hire uh, him back. But seriously, are you afraid of clowns? I'm not terribly afraid. I don't think they don't they don't bother me. I, I'm not excited by them. <laughs> Ken, I don't think there's any such thing as a cute clown sighting. Like, oh, <laughs> have I ever told the story of the clown Hobo Bobo on the show? No, not that I recall. In the third grade, I went to an elementary school called Atwood McDonald, which is funny enough with that name. One day, a clown visited the school, and his name was Hobo Bobo. He was a clown dressed up like a hobo, you know, had the stick with the bandana or whatever. He's obviously a wino, but, you know. Had a sandwich in it and a bottle (laughs) of wine. Hobo Bobo was really funny. He did some pratfalls and funny tricks in front of the kids, and we all cheered. One day, weeks later... I'm with my aunt, Vicky, and my cousin, I think Vanessa might have been with us too, and we were driving somewhere, and I saw Hobo Bobo coming out of a building, like walking out, and he had another guy, and I believe the guy was like his MC, like, ladies and gentlemen, Hobo Bobo, like at the school, and then the clown comes out, so he's like his handler, clown handler. I'm the most introverted person you can meet. I'm not outgoing or anything like that. You you know, I'm doing the show, but it's behind, you know, you're not seeing me on camera or whatever. You know, I was always a shy kid. For some reason, I stuck my head out the window and I yelled, Hey, Bobo! To Hobo Bobo. <laughs> and he goes like this. Eee! You know, he starts waving at me. He goes like this. Come here, come here, come here. And I was like, Vicky, he's waving for us to come here. And you guys are in the car driving. We're in the car driving. Would you have stopped? No, probably not. Vicky stops and pulls over. Hobo Baba runs up to the car. <laughs> and he hands me a Hobo Baba coloring book. Oh, what? very nice. End of story. But wasn't it scary there for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> well, go on home. Who needs you talentless clowns anyway? Get out of here. And I never... Wait, wait. Well, you know I have a clown story, so... Steven, and I never saw Hobo Bobo again. Except in your dream? (laughs) I once looked it up online. I couldn't find it. So obviously the guy was like, "Eh, this isn't working out. I gotta move on to a different trade, you know? Now, if you found your Hobo Bobo coloring book now... Oh, yeah. Millions worth? All of a sudden, he comes back to life. It's all part of my imagination. 
Wow, look, he handed me a coloring book. Who did? Wait, we pulled over the side of the road. You were asleep. You never pulled over anywhere. It was all a dream. Wow. And on that note, guys, time to end the show. Thank you so much for listening to ETL News. Again, thank you, Stephen. You'll be here from now on, right? As far as I know. ETL News Wingman, and also Whiny Baby right there, who wants out and is whining. Whiny Barky Baby. Baby dog. She's, aw, she just wants out to bark at people so bad. Guys, thank you so much. Please visit thejstrom.com. That's basically ETL entertainmentlandfill.com but don't go to that it's entertainmentlandfill.blogspot.com but call it thejstrip.com right yes also send an email or a voicemail to nimpodcast at gmail.com you can record it on your phone and just attach it we love that um guys again how excited are you for next week Steven <laughs> the battle who is the king of the drops Adam from the Bay Area or did I say Bay Area? Adam from the Bay Area. Whoa, I live in the Bay Area, man. Woo, babes <laughs> everywhere. And Ross from the Bay Area. Oh, my God. Two Titans tussle. Throw out the record books, guys. This stuff is off the hook. Um, you can't uh, you can't predict what's going to happen. Steven, cliche, sports cliches. You got any? Um, something's got to give. Something. This one's going all the way. Yeah, it's going all the way. We're taking this down to Chinatown, everybody. This is going to be amazing. Or Tokyo, Ken, because you're here in the chat room, and I wanted to include you there. So, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we're going to see you next week. I hope you guys are excited for the Battle of the Drops. The Baytown Quake. (laughs) Yeah! All right, everybody. Later. Bye. Bye! Well, folks, that was another entertainment landfill new. Wow, so exciting. Can't you feel the excitement in my voice? Love is love is love is love is love is love.